last week we talked about hope, the mind's defense. If you weren't here, you can go to our church website and you can find that there. Um, this morning I want to talk about a house made of thoughts. A house made of thoughts. And uh, you've heard the statement, you've maybe said the statement, I think therefore I am, right? You've heard that? How many of you have never heard that before? I think therefore I am. Uh, Rene Descartes, uh, he, he is a, a French philosopher, he came over that, I'll, I'll butcher it in, in uh, the Latin, cogito ergo sum. Okay, so basically he was saying that because he can think cognate thoughts or cognitive thoughts, he exists. And he's, he's higher than, than, than most of the living creatures. So therefore, this morning, you can think, right? You can think. You're thinking, when are we being done? We're going to be done at 3 o'clock, all right? Just put that in your mind. We'll be done. Don't worry. God's Word is here. You're here. And so let's, let's take advantage of this. Talking about a house made of thought. So let me read Romans 12, 1 and 2. We'll pray. We'll get into the Word. Romans 12, 1 and 2. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in the view of God's mercy, to offer yourselves as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So basically the scripture says, don't offer yourself anymore to the world. Offer yourself to God and let God transform your thinking. Now all of you, you're all smart. You're good looking. Okay, just nod, you're smart, you're good looking, you have high thoughts, and so with those thoughts, God wants great things. Now Jesus later on said, he says, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So basically, what you think eventually comes out of your life. If you think a lot about something, it comes out of your life. So you can have negative thinking, a lot of you constantly having negative thoughts, that's going to come out of your life. If on the other side, contrarily, if you have positive thoughts, not the sugary, fake, you know, but real... I can do it. God's with me. Those things begin to come out of your life. Amen? Right? And so, so this morning, I want to help you this morning using that concept of house made of thoughts. You are what you think. And with, with the Word of God, I want you to say, you, you might say, well, who am I? Where am I from? What's formed my life? And what house of thoughts has life made me into? And so this morning, I want to let you know that your thoughts are a forerunner of your actions. Okay? Your thoughts are a forerunner of your actions. Now, we've seen lately in the news the last few months, the last few years, that we've been besieged with violence, mankind against mankind. Specifically, you saw, we talked about, when we were on vacation and the, the shooting in, in the movie theater in Aurora, and just recently we've seen some more shootings. We just saw one in, in Manhattan. Why is that? It's because of negative thinking, because of the enemy is in interjecting thoughts into people's lives, saying, kill, destroy, life is hopeless, you're a loser, you have no choice but to destroy Okay? Now, I know I might offend some of you. We don't need gun control. We need Satan control. And that's through godly thoughts coming into people's lives. People are, are burdened with life. You know life is hard, right? Life is burdensome enough. And if you have a life without Jesus, you begin to have destructive thoughts from the enemy. And God is saying to the church, let's be transformed by the renewing of our minds through Christ Jesus. Amen? Okay, so if you want to argue about gun control, I'll meet you out in the parking lot at 3 a.m. And if I'm not there, just start the argument, okay? We, you can talk about it, okay? So, but I want to talk about thought control, not brainwashing, but you being in control of your thoughts. Okay, a lot of times we say, well, you know, if you become a Christian, you're brainless. That is, that's a lie. Uh, God gave you a brain, and so God wants you to use that brain, amen? So here's, what, here's something Paul said about our thinking and, and all those thoughts. He said in 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5, for though we live in the world, 
We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are the weapons of uh, are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. In other words, he is saying you can take captive thoughts that are not from God. Destructive thoughts, uh, depressing thoughts, uh, angry thoughts. You can take those things captive through the word of God. Now somebody's like, oh my goodness, this is why I don't come to church anymore. Because they talk about weird stuff, you know. Do, 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 do. I don't want to get into that spiritual warfare stuff. I'm not into that kind of stuff. Well, you know what? I'm just going to be honest with you. You're into spiritual warfare every day. Lawrence talked about his Sunday school class, the individual, indivisible war. Now, some of you, how many of you know what Streptococcus pneumococcus, what I messed it up, Streptococcus looks like? Anybody see it? Pneumonia? How many of you can see bacteria? Okay, you cannot see a virus or a bacteria, but yet it still affects your life. Right? E. coli, remember that whole... Okay, You can't see it, but it still exists. And it affects your life. You may not see the spiritual realm. You may say, la, 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 no, I don't believe that today. Church is weird, I don't believe that. You can do all that you want, but it exists. There's a spiritual war out there for your soul, for your mind. And if you deny it, you're going to fall into it. And you're going to become a slave to whatever the world tells you to think about. And because you are smart, because you're intellectual, because you're good looking, because you're bright, Okay, And because you have fresh breath this morning, I hope, you're going to listen what the Word of God speaks into your life this morning. Amen? And so the mind is a battlefield and it is vital that we line our thoughts up with God, that we take control of our thoughts, that our, our thoughts don't control us and destroy us, but our thoughts help us to live a godly life. Amen? So number one, let me move on, is letter A, is the mind is a battlefield. You, uh, what you need to know okay, is this. What you need to know is that we're engaged in a spiritual war. I just read that in 2 Corinthians, it's, whether you believe it or not. Um, I grew up in a church. We didn't talk a lot about We said we believed there's an enemy. We didn't talk more about that. Uh, and then later on when I went to college and then when I was called to ministry, uh, I, I saw things that I never thought I'd ever see in my life. I've seen people that are, were demonized and I've seen people that have been free through the power of Jesus Christ and, and all those things. And I've seen miracles. I've, I've seen people, uh, you know, I remember as, as a boy I talked to, I saw a, a, a woman... Uh, a, Blind woman see, woman get out of a wheelchair at a healing uh, crusade. I can't remember who it was exactly, but as a boy, I saw that with my eyes. I've seen it. I've seen people healed and things. God is able to do that stuff. Amen? So we're, we're like, well, you know, but God can still do those things. And there's a spiritual war that's going on. And so your mind is a battlefield. Okay? We live in a spiritual world and we live in a, in a, a, a physical world. And there's, there's already things I've talked about. This The enemy of our souls is Satan. Okay? We've talked about that. Ephesians 6.12, for our, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. The enemy is out to destroy us. Okay? Your mind is a battlefield. Listen to this. 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. Do I have it? The God of this age, which is Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. In other words, he is trying to keep people from knowing Jesus because he knows that if they know Jesus, their minds will be free. Okay? 2 Timothy 2. 23, it says, The Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them, listen, repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, that, listen, that they will come to their senses and escape 
from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. God has given you power that you can control your thoughts through the gospel of Jesus and you can help other people get control of their thoughts and they can be freed, okay? So we are in a spiritual battle, okay? So, so let's talk about this then. What is a stronghold? Now, if you think about a stronghold, uh, it's basically a fortress. It's a castle. And so all of us, listen to this. I know somebody's like, oh my goodness. This is going to get kind of weird. There are basically two types of strongholds. You have, all of us have strongholds in our minds, in our bodies, in our lives. Amen? Okay? Good or bad? Okay? I, I remember, I'm going to talk about this in a few minutes. I remember uh, um, uh, doing a Bible study at a, a, a um, teenager, uh, basically, uh, it was a jail with Nikki Cruz's wife uh, in Colorado Springs. And, and I was there uh, with this, this young man, and, and this young man was, he had a stronghold in his mind of racism. And, and he was a Latino young man, and I, and I, grew, up, I grew up in a military home, and my mom was Korean, and so, so we grew up loving all people, regardless of where they were from. And, and my parents would literally, they would slap me if I said things about people that were not right, racially. And so we were in this room, and I was talking to this kid and talking about Bible study, and he said, you look Asian. I said, yeah, my mom was Korean and all that. And he said, well, my dad says that all Koreans are lazy. So it's got to be true. And I said, I said, really? I said, where did that come from? Where did your dad learn that? Well, he just was taught that. And I said, you know, that, that's kind of like, that's a racist statement, you know. And, and, and basically, he had the stronghold put into his mind by his dad that all Koreans are lazy. By the way, all Koreans are not lazy, Okay. Different people are lazy. It doesn't matter what race. They're just, it's just something they did. So, so I talked to him and helped him to free up his mind to say, you've got this stronghold in your mind that all Koreans are lazy because someone else told you that. And you see, that's what part of why we have racism in our countries and other countries is because someone said something and so they put this mindset in their mind. All black people, all white people, all Asians, all Indians, all Latinos. And, and they, they categorize everybody under this one broad thing. That is a stronghold. Now, good strongholds are, the Bible talks about that God is, a, is our fortress. In Psalm 18.2, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. My, my God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. And so you can have God as your stronghold. Then also, you can have peace. It says, Philippians 4.7, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When the world, as you think, is going controlled out of, out of control, you can say, I have peace in Christ, because the Bible said that in, in, in Philippians 4.7. So you can have a stronghold to protect your mind in times of trouble. Do you see what I'm saying? You can say, I'm putting myself behind the cross, I'm putting myself in Jesus, and that the peace of Jesus can transcend all the world that's around me and I can have peace. A good stronghold. Okay? You can have good strongholds and you can have bad strongholds. And so it's your choice. But I want to talk about here, first godly strongholds obviously are, it was when you put the Word of God. Did you know the Ten Commandments are good strongholds? You shouldn't steal. You shouldn't kill. You shouldn't murder. You shouldn't, you shouldn't commit adultery. I mean, all that list. You shouldn't have other gods before you. There's all those things. Those are good strongholds in your mind. And those are good things to have. And obviously we see our, our society trying to erode those and trying to change those. But the Word of God is still the Word of God. Amen? So, so you have to have those. Now there's what I call, now don't freak out because we're not here to give the devil glory and all that because God is bigger than him and Satan is a created being, is you have demonic strongholds. Okay? Now a demonic stronghold is not being demon-possessed and rolling around on the floor and you know, all that stuff, which that stuff does happen. But a demonic stronghold is a thought pattern that puts itself above God constantly in your life. 
a thought pattern that puts itself above God and it's constantly in your life putting itself above God and putting itself above God's word, putting yourself in a place. And so a demonic stronghold is just a place that you give Satan rent in your brain. Can I just say it that way? Lustful thoughts, greedy thoughts, angry thoughts, uh, harmful thoughts, fearful thoughts, depressive thoughts. And you just begin to say, you know, because again, we all do this. We like, we, we get a bill and you think, oh my goodness, I'm not ever going to be able to pay that bill. How am I going to do that? All of a sudden, you begin to worry. Your heart like, right? It goes from, it goes from, right? You lose sleep at night. And so now there's a stronghold in your mind. Oh my goodness, this bill. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And God says, I will supply all your needs according to my riches. Okay? And so you say, you know what? I rebuke that thought. Now, Father, you will supply all my needs. God, I don't have the money for this bill. Can you help us? I'm trusting in you. So you can move from a negative stronghold to a positive stronghold. Does this make sense? Some of you are like glossed over. Some of you are sleeping on me. I'm going to wake up here in a moment, okay? Demonic strongholds are not demonic possession, but they are thoughts that are negative and they, they bring you down. And they could lead to bad stuff, and they could, but also they just could lead you to, to put discount God in your life, okay? Uh, I don't have time to talk about demonic strongholds, I mean through de- demonic possession, all that stuff. I don't want to freak you out this morning. But the third thing, letter C, is tearing down the strongholds of your mind. Now listen to this. Now, how many of you, don't raise your hand, how many of you would admit that you're just a little rebellious? Don't admit it. Some of you say, I'm rebellious, I have, I'm, you know. Now, now everyone has, has a rebel streak in us, and that, sometimes it's good, but sometimes it's not good, okay? And so what happens is, is when we get a rebellious streak, we kind of say, well, the Ten Commandments are good for you, but they're not good for me. That, that's good for you, Pastor Stan, but that doesn't mean me. And so what it is, that's rebellion. And so what happens, you begin to set up saying, well, that... The speed limit's okay for you, but it doesn't mean me. You see what I'm saying? The rules apply to you, but I'm above the rules. Because I'm this or that or, or whatever reason. So you've you got to be careful because then you get this rebellious streak. And you see what happens is our rebellion towards those things opens a door for the devil to have a foothold in our life. Well, I just got this little thing that I still do. That's a rebellious thought, and that can build a stronghold, okay? Here's what, let me just build on this. Ephesians 4, 26-27 says, In your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. What? Anger is a sin? Yes and no. Jesus got angry in the temple. He got angry at religion. He got angry at faithlessness. But when you're angry all the time, and you can't stand and you blow your tops, that's a stronghold. Well, pastor, you don't get It's the African in me. It's the Latino in me. It's, it's the Asian. It's the German. It's a stronghold. Whatever you label it, it's a stronghold. And the Bible is saying, don't be angry. You're giving the devil a foothold. You're letting him rent a piece of your brain and a piece of your heart. And that stronghold can get bigger and bigger over time if you don't allow God to get it out of your life. Do you see what I'm talking about? And so God can say, listen man, I can help you. Do not let this happen. Now John 8, 31, I I do want to read this. To the Jews, this is the weapon of God's word, to the Jews who, who believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So in order for you to be free of a stronghold, anger, whatever it is, you have to allow Jesus to be truth in your life. 
And you have to begin to believe and obey the commands of God so the truth can set you free. Right? The truth will set you free. Everybody use that. I love the politicians said the truth. They, I love them quoting scriptures during this election. Isn't it funny? Hoping that you're going to vote for them. And they misquote it out of context. This concept is if, if you obey me and you put the words in my life, then the truth will set you free. What truth? The truth of Jesus Christ. Right? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. Right? Remember that? So how can you tear down strongholds in your mind? What's the answer? Well, obviously, it's to continue to seek the Lord. Continue to walk with Jesus. Continue to do these things. Continue to be faithful to the Word of God. You know what? Sometimes being in the Word of God is painful. It's painful. Sometimes I read the Word of God and I don't want to read it because God is reading my mail. saying, Stan, you need to deal with this. I don't want to deal with this, God. Sometimes, you know what? I'm going to be, sometimes reading the Word can get a little boring when you're reading through the book of Leviticus. You're reading through the book of Numbers. But I start saying, well, Holy Spirit, reveal to me what you're trying to say here. Sometimes it can get tedious. You know, I know you, I know you don't like to admit this, but sometimes coming to church can be boring. But you've got to say, God, what can I get out of this? Because I want to break strongholds in my life. And you say, well, Pastor Sam, that, there, you see, you don't understand my thing. I, I, this thing has got such control in my life. There's no way out. And I want to tell you, there's always a way out. There's always a way out. The way out is this, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. 1 Corinthians 10.13 No temptation has seized you except what is common to man and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. When you are tempted, He will provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. What an awesome God! Come on, you should be cheering. You see, God doesn't want you destroyed. He wants you free. Amen? God can free you. He can deliver you. He can help you. He can help you get free of this thing. Well, Pastor Stan, my father's done this. My grandfather's done this. I, I, and I'll do this. I remember there was, there was one of my interns who kind of became a staff pastor for me for a short time. And he said, my parents, I'm afraid I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just be poor all my life. I'm going to live in debt because my parents lived in debt and their parents lived in debt. And I said, man, I said, Dave, I said, don't speak that into your life. You don't have to live that. You're free in Christ Jesus. And I believe Dave is, is now, he's living, in fact, I think he's working a doctorate right now. Uh, and so, you don't have to believe the lie. That's a stronghold. God can free you of that stronghold. Do you understand what I'm saying this morning? Are you, are you hearing me? There is a way out. Okay? There is a way out. Let, let me just, do I have the prayer? Go up the prayer. Here we go. This is kind of a hard prayer. But I want to just read this to you. We're not done yet. But God can help you overcome strongholds in your life. And, and, and the biggest way to do that is first submit to God. Repent of, of whatever negative thinking that the devil is allowing to, to use in your life. And repent. It's hard to see, but I'm going to read this. It says this, Heavenly Father, this is just a model prayer. Heavenly Father, there are areas in my life, and you can write those down, that I have not fully surrendered to my Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, forgive me of compromise. I also thank you for courage. I, I might have missed a word. Thank you for courage to approach the pulling down of strongholds without reluctance or, or, or willful deception in my heart. By the power of the Spirit in the name of Jesus, I bind satanic influences that were reinforcing compromise and sin within me. I submit myself to the light of the Spirit of truth to expose the strongholds of sin within me. By the mighty weapons of the Spirit and the Word, I proclaim that each stronghold in my life is coming down. I purpose by the grace of God to have only one stronghold within me, and that's the stronghold of the presence of Christ. The last part of it says, I thank you for forgiving and cleansing me of all my sins, and by the grace of God, I commit myself to follow through in this area until even the ruins of the strongholds are removed from my mind. 
Thank you forever. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you want a copy of that prayer, I can make a copy and put it online somewhere, or I can email it to you. Basically, there's a model there, and it's kind of hard for you to write, and I didn't write it down for you, is you have to just confess and say, Lord, break these strongholds. Now, some of you are saying, Pastor Sam, what, what does this have to do with my life? You are what you think. Your life every day has been bombarded by someone else to control your life. Jesus wants you free. Isn't that awesome? So letter number two, I need to move on, is delivering your mind from bondage. Jesus, our deliverer. Jesus can completely deliver you from whatever thinking, good or bad, that you think uh, is good or bad. The Bible says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the, the prisoners and recovery sight for the blind to release the oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, Jesus understands what you've gone through. I know I'm throwing a lot of scriptures at you. Write these down. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. He understands. Therefore, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. Now, Jesus understands what you're going through. He's been tempted in every way, but he never sinned. Okay? He knows your weaknesses. He knows what you're dealing with. Okay? So, so for, for you to have freedom from these key things that keep your mind in bondage, is you have to have Jesus as your deliverer. The second thing, letter B, is taking captive every thought. We talked about that scripture. I'm not going to repeat it again. 2 Corinthians 3, uh, 10, 3 through 5. Uh, you can take control of your thoughts. Did you know that? Okay, now I'm not talking about just random thoughts. Those are just, everyone has random thoughts. But I'm talking about negative thinking. Like you said, my mom said I'm a loser. I'm never going to amount to much. And if you, if you meditate on that, always guess what? There's a good chance that you're going to be a loser and you're not going to amount to much because you're negatively meditating on that thing. See, what meditation is not... Um, meditation is thinking about something over and over and over again. Hey, wait a minute. Pastor Sand says that God has a plan for my life. In Jeremiah 29, 11, that God has a plan for my life. And it's not to harm me. It's to give me a future and hope. And if you begin to meditate on that, think about that over and over and over again, God can reveal to you the plan for his, your life that will be prosperous in many different ways. Do you see what I'm saying? And so, so many times in our world, isn't it easy for us to complain about negative things? It's easier for us to be negative sometimes than it is to be positive, right? Right? And some of us, we hate the, we just hate those positive people. I talked about that last week. You know, you know what I'm talking about? They're always happy. Like, can you just get away from me? And they're always happy. And like, you know, you know they ask you, how's it going? Well, it could be better. Yeah, it's a great day. You know, just get away from me. And the thing is, is because you're thinking about negative thoughts all the time. And that bugs you. And so they're always thinking good thoughts, positive thoughts. And so you can take captive thoughts by submitting them to Christ and reading the Bible. And I handed out that yellow sheet. I'm going to show it to you again. I handed out, we handed out this yellow sheet last week. And you can have this if you want. And it talks about declaring your, your independence. And it talks about scriptures, quoting scriptures. Jesus quoted scripture against the enemy, right? And so it says here, it says, I'm free from failure. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. You can quote that and say, I'm free. I'm free from want. For my God shall supply all, all my need according to his riches and glory. Philippians 4.19. You can just begin to quote these things. It's not just repetition, but it's beginning to believe that God has a great plan for your life. Amen? You can condition your thinking, right? How many of you have been to a circus? How many of you know what a circus is? How many of you don't really care right now? Now, I've been told and I've seen that when, when they catch, and this wrong or right, I'm just using this as an example, when they, when they have young elephants, they, and, and when, they, when they get the young elephant, they put this chain and this, 
you know, this uh, shackle on the young elephant. So the young elephant's trying to pull and trying to pull and pull. And so finally what happens is over time, they, they, as the elephant and spirit is broken, they just have this rope on, on, on the elephant. And they just use a rope. And then they just have this chain on the elephant. So the elephant is then submissive to this chain. The chain is not attached, but the elephant will do whatever its trainers are. And you see, there's an, there's an enemy in your life, and he's trying to put chains. He's trying to shackle you. And every time he yanks the chain, he's trying to pull you. And eventually you say, forget it, there's no way for me to get free. And every time you feel that little tug, you just begin to go to that. And you're in bondage. And Jesus came to set you free from that. And you see, really, for some of you, there's just a little stronghold. There's just a thought pattern that's keeping you in bondage. And Jesus says, I can set you free. Take captive that thought. Bind it in the name of Jesus and say, you no longer control my life. It may have to take 10 years for you saying that and believing that. It might just take a month. Because you are what you think. You say, well, I'll never get out of this. I'll never get out of this. That's right. You'll never get out of that because you have not thought of how to get out of that. Well, I have passion. I've tried. You don't understand. You don't understand. I may not understand that thing, but all of us deal with stuff. We all have temptations. We all have weaknesses. And God can free us of those things. Amen? And so here's some things. Stop making excuses. Face up to it and say, God, set me free from these things that are destroying my life that's pulling me down. Amen? Because Jesus wants you free. Jesus says, I will set at liberty those who are captive. He wants to set you free. One of those ways, and I know we don't like this in our society because in America, if you're born, we're Americans. I'm an American. I do what I want and I'm not accountable to anybody. Well, that's a, that's a, that's a chain. You need to be accountable to somebody. You need to have some close friends, some close family members who can hold you accountable and ask you, hey, how are you doing in that area? I'm an American. I do what I want. You know, that, that will destroy your life if you keep that attitude. You can be an American or African or Asian. You can be Latino. What does it matter? You, have to be, you need to be accountable to someone. God created this thing we call the church to help you be accountable to someone so you can live a free life. You see, being accountable can actually help you to be free because your close friends are going to help you to see your weaknesses. Amen? And so you have to be accountable and say, I want to be free. And you have to, during worship time, whether you know the songs or not, I, I challenge you. I don't know about you, but music moves my soul. Like we were listening to, because this morning I was a little tired, you know, I was, I need, uh, coffee was gone. And so uh, I put on this song. Uh, it, it, it talked about, uh, it talks about, it, it's called Montaña. And it says, talks about, si tu eres fe, como gano de mustaza. It says, if you have the, the faith of a mustard seed, that God, you can remove a mountain. And so we were singing this in Spanish and it was kind of a salsa sounding and it was just, it was encouraging me. So you know what, whatever insurmountable odds that I have, I can remove that through Jesus Christ. That mountain can come down. And so it, it, it was during a worship time and then during the worship time we were talking about Jesus breaks every chain. There's power in the name of Jesus. You can speak the power of Jesus over your sickness, over your, over your things. Amen? You see, I need to move on. Let me move on. Letter C is, is defeat the stronghold of failure. This is one thing that I think a lot of churches and Christians fall into is the, is the stronghold of the failure. God wants to bless you and make you successful in many ways. And to deal with the stronghold of failure, you have to, re, you have to repent of it. There are, there are many erroneous thoughts, and I've talked about this, that comes across our minds. And such of that is, I will always be a failure. That's a lie from the devil. Okay, just say, that's a lie. Come on. That's a lie from the devil. I do not accept it. Okay? Or here's one that, that I hear in, in church. I'm just a sinner. If you're a Christian, you're not a sinner anymore. You're saved. You can still sin and make mistakes. But now you are a saint. Saved from sin. 
The Bible says in Romans that sin is no longer your master. I'm just a sinner. I'm never going to do anything. And if you keep believing that lie, that's exactly what the devil wants. That's failure. That's a stronghold of failure. Well, I tried that, but it never, nothing changed. Then allow God to try something different. I was thinking about Joshua in the Bible. When Joshua was with Moses and God said to, to Moses, take the promised land. Remember Joshua and Caleb and the, and the other spies went out and they, they came back and ten said they couldn't and two said they could. The negative one out, the negative thinking one out. Think about Joshua, probably had doubts, marching in the desert for 40 years. 40. 40 years. In the desert, knowing that they could have taken the promised land. I'm sure he had thoughts. I'm sure the people said, I'm a failure. We're failures. We're never going to see the promised land. I'm sure that ate at his soul. And so if you're constantly letting that destroy, you've got to say, man, I can overcome this through Christ Jesus. I'm not a loser. I'm not a failure. Sometimes you have to fail to learn. Right? Remember the Wright brothers? They failed. And now we have a cool thing called air travel. Right? The light bulb is a result of failures. Don't you thank God for light bulbs? That is a result of failure. Someone continuing and continuing. So if you buy in this lie, the strong, I'm a failure, I'll never do this, you've got to rebuke that. You see, that's not of the God, that's of the enemy of my life. Amen? The second thing is, is letter D, is destroying the stronghold of fear. I think fear is another big factor. And I'm going to be honest with you, I think there's a lot of fear in this church. I'm just being honest with you. And I deal with fear too. And God has been telling me in my spirit and my prayer time that some of you, you're still, you're still fearful of the economy. You're still fearful of this, and of the jobs, of terrorism. You need to stop because God is on the throne. Well, pastor, you pay my bills? No, God is going to pay your bills. Always has, always will. Fear is of the enemy. Oh, what, I'm going to fear this. Stop living in fear. The Bible says God gives us a spirit of, of faith and of sound mind, not of fear, not of timidity. And there are many people in the church that are fearful of living because they're, they're well, I just don't want, to, I don't want to push out too much work. I don't want to try too hard because I just want to save for retirement. There's nothing wrong with retirement, but you're in bondage. Well, I don't want to give demissions because I don't know if I can do that. You can't. Well, I don't know if I should get involved in the ministry. I don't know if I should share the faith because I might get shut down. But you also might get opened up and they might get saved. You've always got to think about the possibilities, not the negative parts. You see what I'm saying? I believe the spirit of fear is, is keeping the church saying, well, we're, we're, not, we're not supposed to share the gospel of Jesus. Who says that besides the world? The devil. Why? Because there's power in the name of Jesus. There's healing in the Well, Pastor Stan, they said, I can't talk about Jesus at work. You don't have to get up on the platform and preach, but you can still be light. You can still be a light to them, and, and they'll come to you asking about Jesus, because when they're in need, they're going to come to Jesus. Amen? Well, Pastor Stan, I tried it, and, and I failed. I already talked about the light bulb. I talked about air travel. Maybe say, God, enlighten me so I can try something different or in a new way. Amen? Fear is of the enemy. God can free you of fear. In fact, this, 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. God's perfect love drives out fear. Well, fear this, fear that God doesn't want you to be fearful. Victory begins when you give your life to Jesus. 
Victory begins when you begin to live the life of Jesus. Victory begins when you say, I have nothing to fear because God is for me. Amen? I read this earlier, 1 John 4, 4. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. God in you is greater than anything in the world. We used to sing that song years ago. Greater is he that is in me. Greater is he that is in me. Greater is he that is in me than he is in me. That shows my age. I know I'm a young guy. But that was, you know, old-time Pentecostal churches. We used to sing that sometimes. So, so always think that God is greater in me than anything in this world. Amen? Come on, say that. God is greater in me than anything in this world. Oh, I'm not sure, Pastor. Yes. The creator of the universe lives within you and he's greater than anything in this world. Now let me move on because I want you to get this. Number three. Three sources of strongholds. Okay, I've already talked about this. And sometimes I need to repeat myself a billion times or you need to repeat yourself a billion times sometimes to grasp something. Okay, so the first source of strongholds are, is the world. Again, the steady stream of information. I mean, we are information overload, Right? You're not one of those ones that drives and texts at the same time, right? You don't do that, right? None of you do that, right? I mean, not only is it illegal, but it's foolish, right? I mean, so I thank God that none of you have ever done that, right? Thank God that I've never done that. Please don't strike me. But don't do that. Well, so what happens? We have this constant information. And I, and I was talking to someone. I, I was at someone. We were talking about cell phones. And I said, you know, I said, cell phones are a blessing, but they're also a curse. I remember the day that, I mean, that, that chain... Is always on, and you know, text messages and emails and alerts and phone calls. And I, and, I mean, it was great last night when someone said, Hey, can you come to the hospital? It was great for that. And if I'm not careful, I will get sucked into sitting in front of the computer, Facebook, Google, reading all these news sources. And then all of a sudden, four hours later, what did I just do? I'm beginning to become brainwashed now by Fox News and CNN and, and, and all these things because, because if you begin to read that stuff constantly throwing information into you, they're trying to change your thought pattern. I've talked about that. I already told you about my professor in, in mass communications and he, he said that the media has an agenda and that's to control your thought and life. This guy who worked in that told me that. Now, not all your professors are crazy, not all media are bad, but you've got to get control of your life. You've got to filter things that come in and say, that's wrong, that's right, that's not good, that's, not, that's good. You are the one that can control that, amen? And so you must check every communication and you need to check it against, you know what? The Word of God. Not Fox News, not CNN, not The Post, not The Times. You need to check every piece of information against this Word of God. That is, this is the true source of truth. Amen? Those other things might have truth sometimes, but a lot of times they're wanting to control your life. Amen? The world wants to... Just allow God to help you. Say, God, be my source. I'm looking at my notes because I'm trying to cut some, thing, some stuff out here. The world wants to brainwash you. The second... In fact, in fact let, me tell you, let me tell you a, stat, a sad statistic. By the time a, a young person goes through the, the school system and, and gets out of high school and goes off to college and goes on and they're raised in the church, 80% of them leave the church. 80% of young people who are raised up in a church, when they get on their own and go to college, they leave the church. 
And you know what they're beginning to attribute that to? No offense, please don't get this wrong, but the steady stream of information that's godless in academia, telling them that there is no God. And you see, eight hours a day, your kids go to school Monday through Friday, and they're being taught. And now there's good stuff in there, and there's stuff that's not taught. I remember sitting in classes in college where, where, where I had a, you know, a class on something, and, I think, and they, they demean God and say, what does it have to do with this subject? I remember at one of my, not in my room, but one of my hallmates, we were at Colorado State University in Fort Collins, Colorado, and he was a, he was a math major in, in logic or something like that. I think he was actually in calculus, and, and, his, and his calculus teacher said, all Christians have poop for brains. He had another word for it, but I can't say that word. And he said, all Christians have poop for brains. Okay, what does that have to do with math? And, and by the way, this young man got an A on that test when that professor said that. And you see, they're constantly, constantly... Now, some of you are teachers, you're professors. God bless you. Teach your subject, but also live out truth. 80% of kids, after high school, and they go off to college in the work profession, they leave the church. Because those seeds of thought have been put in there, God doesn't exist. That's not true. That's not right. Your mom and dad don't know what they're talking about. A constant diet of that from kindergarten to college... If it's not checked with the Word of God, if it's not checked with you helping them with truth and telling them truth, we'll, we'll, a lot of times some of them will leave God. Some of them come back, but some of them leave God. The world is trying to brainwash your kids. Letter B, a second source of, 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 of strongholds is our experiences. Our past experiences can be good strongholds or bad strongholds. And unfortunately, a lot of times, some of our past experiences, uh, I was reading a book uh, talking about how a couple were struggling in their marriage because the father had grown up in a bad household and the, and the, and the wife had grown up in a bad household. And so they brought into their marriage, and I remember I talked about that baggage a few, I think, I don't know when I did that, that series on, on baggage and, and your past affecting you. And, and they both brought this baggage, this, these strongholds of what a marriage should be, and they were negative, and, it, and their marriage was on the rocks. And they had to get on their knees and they repented of bad thoughts and said, God, Romans 12, 1 and 2, transform our thoughts, renew our mind, and God save their marriage. And you see, a lot of us come into, to, and I, lo- I, love, I love when people want to come get married because it's so funny. And I talk to them, why do you want to get married? And they're like, we're in love. Oh, everything she does is wonderful. Everything, oh, he's such a, I say, just give that a few years. And I'm not being mean. I just said, I said, well, but so let's think about this. Let's talk about this. Who's going to do what in your life? Oh, you know, we're going to, what, what are you going to do when hard times? Oh, we'll just love each other. And I'm saying, okay, that's good. It's a good foundation. But really, what are you going to really do when things get tough? And so they, they bring in this baggage from their parents and their moms and dads. I mean, for instance, if, if dad can fix everything the, in a girl group in a house where dad can fix anything, she's already going to think that my husband should know how to fix everything, right? Because that's just in her mind. And, and, and maybe he grew up in a house where dad paid to have everything fixed because he never had time to do that. So there's going to be a disappointment. Or, and now men, if you're ever going to get married, some of you young men, and your wife's cooking is not as good as your mom's cooking, don't ever say that. You're in trouble. But it's a stronghold. Okay, so, so a lot of times there's an example, Reinhard Barkin uses an example where this lady saw her mom 
every time she cooked, cooked the roast, she would cut the ends off the roast and put the pan, you know, the roast in the pan and cook it. And so one day the, the mom was at her daughter's house. Her, her daughter was older now. And, and her daughter had took out a roast and she cut the ends off and put it in the pot and, and put it in the oven. And her mom said, honey, why did you do that? Well, mom, I saw you do that all the time. And she said, you know, the, honey, the only reason I did that because my, my pan was too small. And so she conditioned. And you see, sometimes our experiences, good or bad, can be strongholds. Do you see what I'm saying? Do you see what I'm saying? Let me move on. And then th- the third source is the stronghold of wrong doctrines. And I know the Bible is very clear, but unfortunately, sometimes in the Christian world, Jesus said this, Matthew 24, 4, Jesus answered, Watch out that no one deceives you, deceives you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Christ, and will deceive many. We must check every teaching with the Word of God. When Pastor Stan gives a sermon, you better be checking me out. I mean, number one, I fear God, okay, because I'm going to be held accountable for that. But every time someone gets on the TV, you better not believe everything they say unless it lines up with the Word of God. Every person you hear on the Internet and the radio, because I know everything on the Internet is true. I know you know that's not true. You need to check it with the Word of God. You see, unfortunately in America, we have, we have bought into this superstar status and we begin to worship these people who have ungodly lifestyles. And then it comes out because you can never hide everything from, from God. We begin to fall into that stuff and we, we get deceived by it. So the stronghold of wrong doctrines, you've got to be careful. You don't have to be a theologian, you just have to be a student of the Word of God. There's lots of bad theology out there. One of the bad theologies that we hear sometimes is, hey, Jesus never turned anyone away. Why does your church turn people away? You know what? I, I want to disagree that Jesus did turn people away with his teaching. He said, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And he did say to sinners, sin no more. You see, there's this false theology in the world. Well, I can do what I want. I can still go to church and be Christian. I'm going to tell you something real nice. You can't. The Bible says you can't. Jesus confronted sin. He said, sin no more. Well, and I'm going I'm to step on a few more toes. I know I'm just running a few minutes late, but listen to this. I'm sick and tired of people beating you up by how nice you're supposed to be because you're a Christian. Because you can't tell, you're not supposed to tell the truth. And one of those truths are this, and, and it lies that, 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 that takes truth. Well, Jesus never said anything bad about homosexuals, therefore it's okay. Don't believe that lie. John 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. John 1.14 says, and the Word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. Colossians 2, 9 and 10 says that Jesus is overall and created all things, and He has supremacy of all things. Jesus is the Word of God. He wrote the Word. He may not have verbally said it in, in the Gospels, but if he wrote in the Old Testament and the New Testament that homosexuality is a sin, then Jesus said homosexuality is a sin. I'm not a hater. I'm not perfect. I have my own faults. But I'm not purposely living in rebellion to God. There's a difference. And so when they beat you up and say, well, Jesus never said that in the Bible, you can go back and say, John 1.1 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. John 1.14 says, the Word became flesh and it dwelt among the people. And it says that Jesus is the Word of God, and if it says in the Old Testament and the New Testament that it is a sin, therefore it is Jesus speaking. That's a lie. The other lie is they say, well, you're not my judge, and that's right, we are not people's judge. But God is going to be their judge. I'm going to stand before God for what I did and did not do. 
You're going to stand before God. So a lot of times we'll tell people, hey, the Bible says, well, how dare you? How close-minded you judge me? You're not my judge. And my response is, you're right. I am not your judge. But God is our standard. And you and I are going to stand before God one day. And I pray that both of us are good in God's sight. Do you see what I'm talking about? Those are lies from the enemy. Those are false theology. Do Do you see what I'm saying? I could go on for a long time. I don't have time. But you and I have to be careful. They might say they're, so, they're Christians. You know the biggest way to tell them they're Christian? Do they obey the teachings of Christ? Are, is their life in line with the, the gospel of Jesus Christ? Now, we all make mistakes. We say things sometimes. We, we do things that aren't always right. But if you're a Christian and you're trying to follow Christ, that's a lot different than saying you're a Christian and living a whole different lifestyle. You see what I'm saying? So don't believe, and I'm not trying to be mean to you, but be careful the stronghold of wrong doctors. And, and I, I wish I had a little more time to go into the Pentecostal charismatic realm. And a lot of times, because we're chasing after an experience, we follow these false teachers that are using us and abusing us through, chemic, through, through charismatic and, 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 and Pentecostalism. And, and I've talked to you about this before, and, I, and I'm just going to mention this. And I know it's been a few years, but there was a guy named Todd Bentley who was this healing evangelist. And people were worshiping him and saying, wow, he's, he's of God and all that. And he was, he was talking about how he kept hearing from angels. And then he divorced his wife and began to live a drunkard lifestyle. That's not Christ-like. God told me to leave my wife. No, God's not going to. He's not going to tell you to leave your wife because God hates divorce. I'm not here to judge you. I'm just I'm quoting what Scripture says. He kept talking about this angel, and this angel gave him revelation. You know what? An angel gave someone else a revelation. His name was Joseph Smith. Angels, angels and other spirit beings have told other people to crash planes into buildings to kill thousands of people. You need to know what you're listening to and who you're listening to. Because we're all going to stand before God one day and you can control your thoughts. And you've got to get control of your thoughts. Would you stand with me this morning? Don't let anyone lead you astray. Don't, don't allow fear and failures. Don't, don't allow these, these strongholds that have been put into your mind that you've allowed or maybe your family has put into your mindset. Allow God to break those strongholds this morning. Would you do that? Would you do that? Say, Lord Jesus, come on. Say, Lord Jesus, I submit to you. Free me of false strongholds. You, Lord Jesus, be my only stronghold. In Jesus' name, keep praying. Dear Lord Jesus,